looking for seats, but uh, we want to welcome you this morning. Go ahead and get your Bibles with me and go with me to the book of Ephesians. We're going to have the Lord's Supper, as Pastor Randy lets you know. We'll have that here at the end of uh, the message here. But I want to urge you right now to go ahead and begin preparing your heart now for that. If you've not already, just go ahead and start getting your heart ready for remembering the brokenness of, of Christ. And remember his body being battered for you. Remember the fact that Jesus' blood was spilled and shed for you so that you could be this new creation in Jesus Christ that we've been learning about in our series called Labels. And so we're going to continue along those lines today. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. While you're turning in your Bibles, let me just kind of bring you all up to speed on where we are in kind of our relocation process. As those of you who are in this service can understand why that's necessary as we're already doing three services on Sunday morning. We have uh, engaged, as we revealed to you last week, with a company called Goff Companies. They are located in Dallas, and, and what they are doing right now is they are, as, as we, we've done some work with them in the past, they are taking our church through an assessment period of assessing our needs. They visited uh, worship services last Sunday and kind of just wanted to, to really just kind of see how in the world we are uh, having up to 600 people on one acre of land. I mean, that's all against uh, all church growth principles. You need to know that doesn't happen, okay, unless God's doing it. And he is, amen, right? How They wanted to know. Yeah, you can clap to God for that because it's not us, I promise you. They wanted to know, how in the world are you guys doing this? So they came, they assessed our services, they assessed our children's ministry, what's happening there. They came down the cattle chute known as our hallway, okay, and, and wanted to see what that was like. And basically, they're assessing our needs right now. We are in phase one, which is the assessment phase. They want to be able to figure out what the culture is, uh, what our church culture is like. They want to understand that as we move towards our relocation out onto the 12 acres and understanding how to master plan that and, and, and have, a, have, a, have that all in place as we, uh, as we go through that process. And so they came and, and we met up with them last week and they just said, they said guys, we want you to know. I mean, we know that the building that you currently possess, that you're grateful for it, we, we have no idea how in the world you're doing what you're doing there. And, uh, and we were able to say, well, God, God has given us a lot of grace, and we, we're, that's why we're wanting to move forward, is to reach more people with a gospel message in our community. And uh, we're wanting to get out to where we actually have some visibility in the community. And, uh, and so as we met up with them and they shared that, they said, you guys are using this configuration of this building, which is not made for your kind of church, you're using it as efficiently as we have ever seen done. And so what that says is we are being the very best stewards we can be with what God has entrusted to our care. Right, church? I mean, we're doing the best we can. And so what I want to do is encourage you in your faithfulness. I want to encourage you in your faithfulness and your attendance as we're in this assessment phase. Encourage you in your faithfulness in your giving as it's important that our finances stay stable. Thank you for your, your faithfulness in those areas. Encourage you in your area where you serve as we all have to pitch in and help and be a part of the body of Christ, which we'll be talking more about next week as we continue in labels. But I just want to encourage you. And so as we go through the assessment phase, they will develop our master plan. They will present that to us in the spring when we have the master plan. We will present it to our congregation and show you kind of what that's going to look like. That's not going to be an in-depth kind of thing with all kinds of schematics. It's just going to kind of give you a picture as to what we're going to be able to do with the 12 acres that God has blessed us with out on Bailey Boswell. And, and, and you need to know that that initial move is, is the most expensive. 
It's the most difficult because there's dirt work to be done. There's utilities that have to be brought in. It costs money. And so we as your pastors and your leaders, we're trying to be good stewards and go at a good pace where we're not in a place where we can't do ministry to people because we are not about a building. We're about the people of God. Amen. We're about reaching people. We've always been that. We will always be that. And so the buildings that God blesses with are nothing more than tools to be able to reach out and reach more people. So when we have the master plan, we'll be entering into a capital campaign later in the in the in the uh, in the uh, spring there. And uh, and so in trying to kind of explain our culture and our church to to golf companies and to the architects that we were meeting with, I said, look, I said, you need to understand something. And I'm going to say this just straightforward. This isn't Southlake over here. okay? this is Saginaw. Am I talking to the right people? All right. And and you say, why are you telling them that? Because I want them to understand this isn't Southlake. We are we are. And, and, and not that, that, that Southlake doesn't have everyday folks, but listen to what I'm saying. I said, our church is a, is a group of people that are hardworking people that have to try to make the most of every penny that God entrusts them with. And so we just need to get something that's going to be, yes, beautiful, but also something that's going to be very usable. We need to be able to get out on that property. I just want you to understand that up front is what I was telling them. We want it to be beautiful, but it has to be more about usability than anything else. We just got to get out there. We got to be able to get out there. And, 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 and so that's kind of what we shared with them. And, and Billy Ryan, who's on our, our relocation team, he's the leader of that. Billy said, let me put it to you this way, guys. This is what he said. What we're looking for is we are looking for Southlake in the front and Saginaw in the back. All right. And I said, Randy and I looked at each other and simultaneously said, we are a church mullet, man. I said, that is awesome. We're a church mullet. Thus, I'm wearing a tie on the top and jeans on the bottom. Right? Okay. That's, that's kind of how we roll is what we were true. We're just saying, we just got to understand. Because what happens is they'll do these beautiful pictures. And then you can't pay for it. And it gets there. But we need to get out there. Right? We need to just get out there and then let God do the rest. And so there's going to be some good stuff coming your way. Some of you are looking for some timelines, okay? Let me just, what I love about golf companies is they shoot straight with us. And they said, if everything goes according to plan this year, you guys keep paying down your property. Keep paying it down. We're down to 85000 now. Praise God. Keep paying it down. It says, as you continue doing that, as we're doing the assessment, as we're developing the master plans, as we go through the permitting and all the different things that are happening there, and, and the funding is there through your capital campaign, all of this is flexible. You need to understand that it's very realistic that you can get out there that will break ground in the first part of 2015. Okay? Now, some of you are going, man, that's a long ways off. And I'd say write bigger checks. Okay? All right? I'm just putting it to you the way you need to hear it. Some of you need to realize this, though. Think of how quick this last year went by. And it will be here before you know it. Be faithful is what I'm asking you for. I'm asking you as your pastor to be faithful as God is doing this great thing in our church. And, and uh, you know, let's wipe that land out. Let's get it. Let's get it paid for, you know, and, and let's, let's tar- continue taking these steps forward. We've been telling you from the get-go as we started Eagles View Church, we are not, this building right here, this is not our identity, right? You are 
who, I mean, who Jesus is in you is who we are in Christ. When we get out there, that is not going to be who we are either. It's who you are right now, right? It's what God's doing in you right now. That's the church. That's the body of Christ. God's been teaching us great lessons about who we are in Christ. And so we're in labels, okay? We've been talking about who you are. We've been asking the question, who do you think you are? Is your identity wrapped up in your job? Is your identity wrapped up in the fact that maybe you're a parent or you're a spouse? And what we've been raising the question is, is, is this, is what happens if one of those things changes? Because it, it, it will change in your life. Jobs change. People change. Spouses change. Kids grow up and they, they move out most of the time, right? Okay? Things happen that change. So these roles that you have in your life, they don't define you, but they are good about maybe explaining some things about you. But don't let it be your definition. There's more to it than, than just what you do. It's more about who you are. What we've been discovering in the, in the Word of God is this, is that what matters most is who does God say you are because that's not going to change. Not what other people say about you, not who others are or what others are calling you. I'm, I'm happy to say that there were no croissants that ended up on my, on my porch this week. Maybe Biscuit Gate is waning now. Okay, I'm glad for that. And, and here's the deal. I'm speaking about those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ who does God say you are now? And that's what we've been looking at in the scriptures. Our labels in Christ, what we've learned so far in Ephesians is that we are saints of God. We're holy. We're blessed. We're chosen. We've been redeemed. This is all in the first chapter. We've been adopted. We're co-heirs with Christ. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. We've been made alive. We've been given the exchanged life where we were hopeless. Now we have hope. Where we were devoid of peace, now we've been given peace. These are our labels in Christ. And so, now look with me in Ephesians chapter 2. Go with me to verse 17 is where we're going to pick up. And we'll work into chapter 3. We'll get as far as we can go today. And uh, before we do the Lord's Supper. So here's what Paul is writing to the saints of God at Ephesus. Are you a saint of God here in Saginaw? If you are, if you're in Jesus Christ. You're a saint of God, so this is for you too. Here's what he says. This is a circular letter, which means this. It means that they read it, and then they passed it around to the other churches. Well, it's being passed to you right now. And here's what it says. He brought this, say it with me, church, this what? This good news. I want you to remember that. That is the gospel of Jesus. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were what? Say it with me, were far away from him. Now, I want you to think for a moment about what your life was like before you met Christ and how different you were, how, how you were hopeless without Jesus Christ. Some of you, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you've kind of forgotten what that was like. Maybe some of you, you don't have this really, you know, juicy kind of testimony where I was involved in all this or whatever. You still need to understand something that positionally you were far away from God. You were apart from God as, as much as anybody else was apart from God. It's not based upon all of these works. We were dead in our transgressions is what Scripture says, which means we were apart from God. He says this, and, and, and you who were far away from Him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us, all of us, that's us, church, we can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. What did He do for us? He died on the cross for our sins. He paid for sin. That if you would believe in Him, you'd be given eternal life. 
you now have access to the, to the throne room of God. You don't have to be dead in your transgressions anymore. You're alive in Jesus now, right? Okay, and this is what he did for us. You're no longer separated from God. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You say, these Gentiles, what does that mean? That's anybody that's not a Jew, okay? And so that would be us, uh, except for a few of you out there. Um, and and so, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Here's another label for you. This isn't the message today, but you belong. You're a part of the family. You've been brought into the family by God's grace. You're a member of God's holy family. Verse 20, together we are his house. I opened it up by talking about something we might build. That's not the church. That's a place where we will worship. You're the church. We are his house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone or the center point upon that which everything else is built is Christ Jesus himself. Not a pastor, not a group of people, not, not even the church itself. The, the cornerstone is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Where does God dwell and live by his spirit? Where is it, church? Is it in this building? Who is it? It's in you, right? It's in your lives. It's in your life. And so the Holy Spirit dwells within you. That's when you were sealed with the Spirit of God. We talked about it last week. When I think of all this, go to verse chapter 3. When I think of all this is what Paul says. When I actually contemplate who I really am in Christ, that I'm adopted, I'm chosen, I'm sealed, I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven, I'm all of it. When I just try to even begin to comprehend what God has done, Paul says. When I think of all of this, I take it all in. I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility, remember that, we'll come back to it, the special responsibility of extending His grace to you Gentiles, as I briefly wrote earlier, God Himself revealed His mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to the previous generations. Now, church, you've got to start catching this. He didn't reveal it to the previous generations. Who has he revealed it to? You. He's chosen to reveal this mystery of the gospel. It's unfolded before your very eyes. You were born specifically at the time that you were born by God, selected by God, enlightened by God in essence. God in his sovereignty has chosen to reveal this to you, to put it into your hands. He says God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and his prophets. And this is God's plan as they unveil that and reveal it to us, that both Gentiles and Jews who, what's the word? Say it with me. Who believe, who believe the good news of the gospel share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Guys, that's us. He's talking about us. We talked about last week the inheritance that we have in Christ. Both, both the Jews and the Gentiles who are now in Jesus Christ, both are a part of the same 
body. What is the body? It's the body of Christ. Both now are brought together because of Jesus. Because, and we are, we are a part of the same body. Both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and his mighty power. Now look at what Paul's going to say. I have been given the, what's the word? Privilege. I've been given the privilege of serving. It's a privilege to serve God, isn't it? Amen? It's a privilege to serve his people. It's a privilege to serve him by taking the gospel to others. I've been given the privilege. Now, this is written by a guy who's sitting and rotting in a jail. And he's saying it's a privilege to serve my God. I serve him by spreading the good news, to serve him by spreading his good news. What Paul's been trying to teach these believers and the Holy Spirit is seeking to communicate with us today through this great letter is that it's important that you know who you are in Christ. If you don't know who you are, then you don't know how to act. And so Paul's just trying to explain your identity in Jesus Christ because when you understand who you are, then you know what your response is to be in grace, your response to God's grace. So now that you know who you are in Him, who are you? You're the saints of God. You're blessed by God. You're chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, sealed. You're a co-heir. You're all of these things that God says about you that will never change. Never change. Now that you know this, He says, this is what I also want you to know. This is your label. Are you ready? Here's what it is. Write it down today. I am entrusted. That's one of your labels is that you have been entrusted. You've been entrusted, the question begs to be asked, what have I been entrusted with? What is it then that I've been entrusted with? That's what Paul's talking about. You've been entrusted with the message of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ, which is that God came and he became incarnate. He died for man's sins. He paid for them in full. And for all who would believe and would receive him as Savior, he redeems them and gives them eternal life. Is that you? If it's you, then you've been entrusted. You've been entrusted to carry that on. It's a great responsibility for us to be in the, in the work or to fall in the mission that God has given us of, of seeking to bring reconciliation uh, with those who are apart from God and those who do not know God uh, or God himself, who are apart from God and God himself. God wants to use you. It's a great responsibility. It's a great privilege is what Paul is saying God wants you to be Jesus Christ to the people who are around you. God's plan is to use you to reach other people for him. Do you realize that? You say, what's plan B? There is no plan B. You're it. I'm it. This is a mystery that God would entrust this into my care. It's a great responsibility Paul calls himself, he says, now that I belong to Jesus, notice he doesn't say I'm a prisoner of Rome. He says, I am a prisoner of whom? A prisoner of Jesus Christ. And that's not a negative sense. What Paul is saying is, I now belong to Jesus. Now that I've been bought with a price, he paid for me with his blood. Now that I've been bought with a price, my body is God's. My, my life is Jesus Christ. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price, is what he says in 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Now my life is to be used for His glory. We were singing about the glory of God. God's plan and the mystery is that He's going to use you to take His message to the rest of the world. It's to, it's to reach people for Him. It's a great responsibility. Go back to verse 2 of chapter 3. 
Verse 2, Paul says, it's a stewardship. He says, assuming, by the way, that you know that God gave me, and I want you to say the next two words with me out loud. God gave me the what? The special responsibility. Do you see that word? God gave a special responsibility. It's a stewardship. Stewardship means this. That's a churchy word for this. You're a manager of certain things that God's entrusting to your care. And his message is one of those things that you are a manager over. So you have been entrusted with a mission. I want you to think about this. Someone else took time to share the gospel with you in some kind of manner. They were obedient to following through with the mission that God gave them. And they took it seriously and they shared it with you. And you know Christ because that's been carrying on throughout the generations. I was thinking this week about how God used certain people in my life. To, to reach me for the gospel. He certainly used my mom and dad as they were coming to faith in Christ at about the time where, where God started working in my life. But God also used some other people. God used a man by the name of Bill Herford. Bill was a, uh, a student pastor at a church where we were just kind of starting to go. And one of the things that I loved about Bill was Bill always shot straight with me. And he would meet up with me. I was a freshman in high school. And he said, Bart, God has given you some great talents and some great things that he wants to use in your life. But you, you need to give your life to Jesus. And I would hear that, and I saw that it was real in Bill's life. And it made me want what he had. And I saw it real in my mom and dad's life. And it made me want it. And, and, and they shared the gospel by the way they lived, but also with their mouths. Because again, it was with my mom that I kneeled and I trusted Christ as my Savior whenever I was 14 years old. And my life has never been the same. It's been different. I've not been perfect, but I've been, I've been forgiven and I've, I've been given a mission. The same responsibility that Paul was given, we have been given this responsibility. Aren't you glad someone took that mission seriously and shared with you? Amen? Aren't you glad someone took it seriously, whether it was a parent or a pastor, or a friend, or a family member, somebody was obedient to God, and now you know Christ as, as a result. Are you going to be obedient to taking the mission and carrying it on? I've been entrusted with a mission. If you're taking some notes, write a few things down before we have communion together. I've been entrusted to continue what Jesus started. What have I been entrusted with? I've been entrusted to continue this which Jesus has started. The mission that he had while he was on earth is now our mission. Jesus completed the mission that the Father gave him, but he entrusted us to keep touching people in his name. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, you should recognize that. That would be our what? Church, our, our memory verse, right? Okay? Now, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to say it with me now. I'm going to ask you to say it with me when we take communion in a minute. But I want you to hear it in another translation. In the NLT, here's what it says. Paul says, this means this. That anyone who belongs to Christ, do you belong to Christ? Amen? Yes? Anyone that belongs to Christ has become a what? Say it with me, a new person or a new creation. A new creature is another way that it translates. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now look at what he's going to say next in verse 18. He's going to say, and all of this is a, is a what? A, a gift from God. What do you do for the gift? You receive it. You don't work for it. You receive it in faith. It's a gift from God who brought us back to himself. You were apart from God. Now you've been brought back to himself. What was the agency? Was it through your good works? No, it was through what? Christ. 
through Christ, brought us back to himself through Christ. And now look at this. Now, you are with Christ. You are a new creation, Paul's going to say now. And God has given us this, what does it say, church? Task. It's a responsibility. God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. That's why we started our church 14 and a half years ago. We started it because... Because we wanted to be serious and take serious the fact that people need to know the gospel message. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Do you see the responsibility has been entrusted into your care, church? It's been given to you. He's delegated this task to us. Think about it. Jesus Christ comes to earth as a man. God himself takes on the flesh of a man. That is called what? The incarnation of Jesus Christ. He becomes a man. All right? He dies for sins. He rises from the dead. And before he ascends back into heaven, he gets with a small group of his followers and says, from this point forward, I'm trusting you to take this message that I've told you about and I've spent time sharing with you all about this gospel message. I'm entrusting you to take it to people everywhere. I mean, what a great, what a great privilege. What a great responsibility. He's saying, in essence, to those to those who were the apostles, and he's saying, in essence, to you today, I'm trusting that you're going to keep doing my work that I was doing. What was Jesus doing while he was here? He was giving people hope. He was telling them about how they can come to God. He was healing people. He was being the body. He was being the body incarnate, and now you are the body incarnate. You are the body of Christ. He's saying, be my hands. Touch those who are broken. Be my feet. Go and seek out those that are lost. Be my eyes. Notice the ones that nobody else notices. That's what you are to be about doing. That's what we, as the body of Christ, are to be doing. He said, be my mouth. Share with them what I have done in your life. Do you see how he's transferred this great mission to you? He came and he lived and he modeled it out in front of us. And he says, now this is what you are to be about doing in your life. By the way, you don't have to be a preacher. God doesn't want you to be a preacher. Some of you he might, but most of you, what God, you know what God really just wants? He just wants you to be you. He wants you to be you, and he wants you to allow him to show others what he has done in your life, that he is actually real, that he has mattered in your life. This doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. In fact, if you are, people are going to get suspicious. What it means is you just need to be who you are. And let God show others who he, who he is through the way that you live with integrity and the way that you live in a godly manner and in a way that you point everything back to him. And, and, and what an amazing thing to think of now that he's entrusted this. Now, I, I, th I thought about this this week, okay? I wouldn't entrust something of that magnitude, the mission of God to somebody that I didn't really think a whole lot of. You know what I mean? When you think about that it's all contingent upon you carrying it out, I wouldn't do it unless I thought a lot of you. I thought of this this week. I remember back before uh, my brother-in-law, Dan, passed away, and it was two years ago uh, from yesterday. Dan and I were spending time together. Uh, in kind of the last days, and I was sitting there close to him and sitting as he was in his bed, and he couldn't get up at that point. I remember sitting there with him, and I remember we were talking about things, and we were having a good talk, and, you know, we knew that time was drawing near. He was home on hospice care, 
and uh, he was getting ready to go be with Jesus. And I said some things that I've been wanting to say to him that we men aren't always really good at saying until something like that happens, right? And I told him how much I thought of him and what he meant to me. And then he said, well, there's been some things I've been wanting to share with you. This is as good a time as any, so let me just share with you. And here's one of the things that he said. He said, Bart, I am trusting you to to care for my family because they're the most important thing in my life. I am I am trusting you to show my sons what a godly man looks like. I'm trusting you to show my daughter what a godly man, how a godly man should treat her. I'm trusting you to kind of live those things out, you know, the way that I would live them out if I were here. I'm trusting you. And that, that meant so much to me because what it meant, and, and one of the reasons that I want to always do the best that I can, what it meant to me was, is I thought, man, he must really think something of me to entrust me with that kind of mission. He must think that I'm something special, that he would entrust me with his most precious thing, that I would care for them in that manner in which he would care. And do you see what God thinks of you? That he would entrust you with this mission that he died for. That he gave his blood for. That he died for you. That he would say, now I'm going to go and I'm going to do all the hard work of dying and paying for sin. And doing all of this for you so that you can be brought back to Jesus Christ. But it doesn't just end. You don't just get saved and then it's kind of like, well I'm saved and I'm in. Good luck to everybody else. That's not what it is. He said, now I'm entrusting you with a mission. Now you have a purpose. Now you have to tell others what I've done for you. I was honored to be told something like that. We should be honored that God would entrust to our care something like this. A few years ago at my uh, 40th birthday, Randy gave me a book. It was a great book that, that, uh, that I look at from time to time. And I was telling Randy this week, I was saying, man, I really feel like God wants me to talk about the entrustment of the gospel. And we were talking about it, and we bounced ideas off of each other. And then on the day that I was working on the message, he called me up. He said, hey, have you looked at that book that I gave you uh, a few years ago for your birthday? It's a book by E. Stanley Jones. It's called Mastery. And I said, well, I haven't looked at it in quite a while. And he said, you need to go to page 46. And I went to page 46, and here's what it said. I was writing at that very moment, writing today's message, talking about entrustment. And then he says, it talks about the incarnation of Christ. And it talks about being the hands of Jesus, the feet of Jesus, the eyes of Jesus, the mouth of Jesus. All of these things that we're talking about. And he says this. He says, it's this great entrustment on page 46. Stanley Jones says this. This is the greatest entrustment ever entrusted to man. That's what it says. And I thought, I heard from God this week. Because that's what he's been laying on my heart to share with you. And he affirmed it in that day. It puts, he says this, and I like the way he puts it. Stanley Jones says, it puts back my shoulders. It makes my blood run faster, he says. And it sets me on fire to be, to, to be at it, to be at this task. And then he says, and it sets me on fire to be true. To be a man of integrity. To be real. He says, man, when I understand what's been entrusted to my care, I want to I wanna get at it. This has been called for for. You know, for ages now, for over 2,000 years, it's been called the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. Right? It's the Great Commission. 
If you are a believer, I want you to hear this. And I say this with all the love, but I say it with the authority that Jesus Christ gives me. Not my authority, because that's nothing. But here is the thing. It is mandatory for you as a believer. It's not a suggestion. It, it, it was given in the original language, given in the form, given in this manner, which is mandatory. It's a command that Jesus our Lord has given us is to keep carrying out his mission. So here's the application point for you. Here's something to think about, something to consider. Are you doing the work of Jesus daily wherever you are? You see, you don't, you don't get to stand up here and preach. Not, some of you would never, ever want to do that. But, you know, what my job kind of is today is to get you charged up to be who you are, to go into the schools, to go into your places of business, to go into your neighborhoods, to go into your world and let Christ and be the body of Christ and let Christ work through you. That's what you're supposed to be about. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Not not even just, you know, this is one function that I have as a pastor, but I'm supposed to be being Christ incarnate throughout the week. And the people that I deal with and, and being sure that as I cross paths with folks that there's something different in my life where they say, man, there's something different about that guy in a good way, <laughs> you know. Something different about the way that he goes through suffering. There's something different about the way that he goes through difficulties. There's something different. That's being Christ incarnate. Are you doing the work of Jesus daily? Or here's another way of thinking about it. Or have you become as a believer, and this is what I have, have I've done on many occasions in my life, I have to battle this. Have you become so internally focused on yourself, your own little set of problems, your own your only things that are going, I'm not saying that they're not real problems, I'm not saying that they're not important to God, they are. But we can get so distracted and focused in on ourselves that we forget that we are to be about the master's business. Are you about the master's business daily, being Christ? Are you being Christ to people around you? To ignore what God would be saying to you would be disobedience. As a church, for us to ignore reaching out and to continue reaching and just to focus, hey, let's just focus on us. Let's just make this a country club. It would be disobedience to God. It would be disobedient to Him to live in that manner. You are the only Christian that some people will ever know. In some cases, you might be the only Christian that some people would ever want to know. Because there's a lot of Christians out there that don't really act like Christians. Amen? Amen? Are you with me? There's a lot of that going on. And so that's why Stanley Jones says, I want to be at it and I want to be true. I want to be real. I want to be the real deal. You've been labeled as entrusted. Now, here's the second thing to write down. I've been entrusted with a message that's life-changing. I've been entrusted with a message that, that can change your life. If other pastors have put it this way, uh, this isn't original to me, but if your neighbor or someone or somebody that you loved or a family member that you loved had some kind of terrible disease, if they had something like that and you had the cure, you had the answer, it would be criminal for you to withhold that and keep it secret, right? You'd be like, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you, or why didn't, they'd be like, why didn't you share that with me? Why didn't you tell me the good news? Why didn't you begin to share that with me or whatever? By the way, I've said this before, you know, there's not just certain individuals that, that have terminal illnesses. We all have a terminal illness, you understand, right? We're all going to die. And some die sooner than others. So we're all terminal, but, but, but Jesus has given us 
this answer of eternal life. We have the greatest news in the world, and I think a lot of times we don't believe that. I think a lot of times we forget about that. A lot of times we get distracted with our own problems, and we forget that as a Christian, we have been entrusted with the greatest news that the world has ever heard. The news of the fact that Jesus came I, I, I think something that we that I just want to take notice of that I think happens to many of us who are believers is if we've been a Christian for any extended period of time, we can easily forget how hopeless and without peace and all of these things that were different in our life were before we met Jesus Christ. I think we can get to a place where we just kind of grow apathetic to it. We forget, and we, we don't appreciate what God has done. We take for granted the peace and the hope and the forgiveness and the sense of purpose that God gives us. And I think it's so powerful. That's why the church in Montreal that we visited a few weeks ago, La Chapelle, that's why it is exploding is because there's such a hopelessness that is in that community, in that, in that culture where there is so, I mean, they're just racked with hopelessness there. Now that hope is being brought forth and people are hearing the gospel message, the church is exploding there because they're actually hearing about what Christ will do in your life and it's being lived out through the believers. And they are fired up about it. And you can't shut them up about what God is doing in their life. Not in an obnoxious kind of way, but whenever we went to that service that day, the body of Christ was fired up to be there. And it made you want to be there. It made you excited to be there. And, and I saw that and I observed that and I said, God, I want us to have that same kind of energy for Christ because I know that there is a culture of hopelessness that is all around us as well. And it's in all kinds of different ways, but it's there. That's why whenever Randy and I went to Laos this last year, we met church planners and young Christians there that, that despite the communist government's crackdown upon them, they are, in essence, saying, we can't shut up about what God is doing in our lives. We will be obedient to God before we will be obedient to you, mankind. And, 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 and they're risking their lives. I remember meeting Pastor Irwin there, a church planner in Laos. And I remember just being so challenged by this man's boldness for Christ like I'd never seen in the flesh. He was like a Peter incarnate. I'm like, God, give me that same kind of boldness. That same kind of holy boldness, not obnoxiousness, just boldness for who you are and what you've done in my life. It made me think of the apostles whenever the Sanhedrin called them in and said after Jesus had died and been raised from the dead and it changed their lives and he ascended back to heaven and he called them, the Sanhedrin, the religious people, called them in and said, you can't keep talking about this man, Jesus. And they beat him and they did all of these things to them and what did they say? We can't help but talk about him. We're going to tell you what he's done in our life. We're going to be obedient to God before we're obedient to man. Isn't it interesting how the church grows fastest where persecution is the severest? I find that fascinating. It's because we are awakened out of this complacency and we realize that we must take the gospel to people. Why do we want to wait till persecution comes? Start taking the gospel now. Start being the gospel to people around you. Who we are in Christ matters. Listen, it matters because of this. I can preach all the messages day in and day out about and give you all the education and all the knowledge about what it means to, to be a disciple and train you in evangelism and all these kinds of things, and it will not motivate you. You know what will motivate you is whenever you actually internalize what God has done in your life. 
you say, I've got to let other people know about the hope that I have. God has changed my life. He's changed my life. I want you to see something in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. And I want us to read this out loud because I want you to see the heartbeat of our God. Say it with me, 2 Peter 3, 9. Say it with me. God doesn't want anyone to be lost, but he wants all people to change their hearts and lives. I really want you to focus in. God doesn't want anyone. Another way that translates is to perish or to be apart from God or to be lost or to not know him. God doesn't want anyone to be in this place. He's not willing that any should perish. He wants them all to know about the hope that's found in Christ. Here's the third and final thing before we have communion together. I have been entrusted, I like this one, even though I have been broken or I'm a broken person. I have been entrusted even though I'm broken. And by the way, it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter if you live in South Lake or if you live in Saginaw or if you live in South Fort Worth. It doesn't matter because we're all broken. We're all messed up. We all need Christ in our lives. It doesn't matter what socioeconomic status you have. There's brokenness in our lives without Christ. And I have been entrusted, although I am broken. He doesn't, a lot of times we think, well, you know, he just entrusts this to people that have it all together. There's nobody that has it all together. They may look like they have it all together, but they don't. We don't have it all together based upon our own, our own you know, uh, works. It's by God's grace in our life. Look at what Paul is going to say. He's going to point back to the brokenness in his life. Look at chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 8. He says, though I am, I've been given this, this great entrusting of the gospel, though I am what? The least deserving of all of God's people. You know what Paul's talking about? Do you know that Paul was a, a murderer? Paul was a persecutor of the church, that Paul was hateful, that he was filled with bitterness, that he was all of these things before he met Jesus Christ on that road to Damascus. And God changed his life. And now Paul, who persecuted the church, said, I will go to my death. And Paul lost his life. I will carry this mission out, though I am the least deserving of my own flesh. I'm the least. He's saying, I'm broken. I have baggage. I'm messed up, man. Though I'm the least deserving of all of God's people, he graciously, it points back to God's grace, gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures that are available to them in Christ. The endless treasures. Paul not only knew that because God was sharing that with them, Paul knew that because he was experiencing that as well. He experienced the grace of God. He marveled at the grace of God. And God wants to work through your story. God, every one of us has a story. My story is not your story. My story is different, which means I will relate to a group of people that you couldn't relate to. You will relate to a group of folks that I could never reach, I could never share the gospel with because they'd be like, I, I, you know, that dude wears jeans and a tie. I can't relate to him, okay? Um, I can't relate to that guy. But you could relate to him, okay? You can relate. You just need to be you. Some people, do you realize you're here? There are some people on this planet that only you will be able to reach because of where you live, because of what your experiences have been, what God has done in your life. You just need to be you and let Christ work through you. By the way, the pressure is not on you to make converts. That's not what we're about. We just want to be Jesus. God is the one that draws people to himself. You're not the great persuader, neither am I. 
fact, a lot of times I mess up. You're just to be you and let Christ be you, and you be obedient. You be the hands of Jesus when someone needs a helping hand. You be the feet of Jesus. You be the eyes of Jesus, and you notice when people that are not noticed. You notice when people are down. You notice how you can get involved and be a minister of Christ. Just be you. What does that look like? Well, what does your story look like? That's what you start asking. What did my life look like before I knew Jesus? For some of you, it may have not been dramatically different. For some of you, it was radically different. You're going to reach a group of people that I couldn't reach. Then you need to be able to understand, well, how did I come to know Christ? What does it mean? All right? I placed my faith in Jesus. I didn't work. It wasn't about going to church. It's me placing my faith in Jesus Christ, not in a church. It's about knowing Jesus and experiencing his grace, but believing in Christ. And now what does my life look like now? And again, I'm not perfect, but God has given me a whole new perspective on life. And you just being obedient to share as God gives you opportunities. We don't want to be obnoxious. We just want to be real. Man, the rest of the world is certainly not uh, shy about sharing their messages, are they? Are you guys with me on that? I mean, they're sharing every kind of thought under the heavens. And there's a boldness that is there that sometimes... And I look at it and I go, where is our boldness for Christ? Are you with me? Where's our boldness? Not obnoxiousness, but just being who I am in Christ and not being afraid, not being ashamed. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God and the salvation. I am not ashamed. Romans 1.16 is what he says. So he goes on and he says in verse 9, I was chosen and so have you been. I was chosen to explain to everyone, to to tell it to people, this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Just remember the plan was that, the mysterious plan was that God came as Jesus. He died. He paid for your sins. He rose again. That whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's the mysterious plan. Now he's working today through the church. That's the mysterious plan. Verse 10, God's purpose in all this was to use who? Who's that? Us. Okay. To use the church. To display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan. He didn't like just think this up like, oh no, they messed this up. Now what am I going to do? God knew it from the beginning. He carried it out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of God, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you that you should feel honored. By the way, you should know that there will be times where you will suffer because of your faith in Christ. But by the way, you're going to suffer regardless of if you're in Christ because we're in a broken world. You might as well suffer for something worthy. But we will suffer in this broken world. Application. Now that you know what's been entrusted to you, and you've been given the same great privilege that Paul was given, what is your response? Christian, we are to be going. It says, as you are going, that you're making disciples. As you're going, you're sharing the gospel. As you're going, you're, you're doing acts of kindness. As you're going, you're being Jesus to people. That's just it. Sometimes it's sharing the gospel message. Sometimes you just plant the seed. Sometimes you're the one that waters the seed. Sometimes you reap the harvest. And it's just being obedient. We're committed as your pastors to provide you with as many opportunities as possible as to partnering along with you in the gospel message. In your bulletin today, here's some EBC EBC Go opportunities. This is not an exhaustive list, 
Here's just some things that are coming up. By the way, you don't have to do these things. It may be something that God puts on your heart. We're just showing you some ways you can get involved. We've got an EBC Go Restore project that's going to be happening in March. God entrusted us with a uh, $60,000 piece of property, a one-acre lot in Azel. A man that we have an affiliation with gave this to Eagles View Church. And he said, I want you to use it for the kingdom of God. He knew we, we had been involved in building houses and, and like we did for and restoring houses like we did for Pastor Trinidad a few years ago. We're going to be doing that this spring. We're going to be building a house. Many of you are very skilled in this way. It's going to be for a needy veteran, a veteran that needs help. You get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Is that sharing the gospel? You're sharing the gospel by being Jesus to people, right? And, and, and conversations start happening. You can get, maybe sh- just check if you're interested. In, this is not committing you to anything. It's just, you're just saying, God, I'm just, I'm open. I'm open to getting involved. I'm open to being used. How about getting involved in reaching and, and being a minister to some of our senior citizens that are here in our community that can't do things for themselves? Do you see how you're being the hands and feet of Jesus? Conversations start happening. Why do you guys do that? Because we love the Lord. Why do you love the Lord? Because of what he's done in my life. Let me share with you. You can maybe get involved that way. You might want to get involved and go to Honduras. We'll be going in June. You might want to get involved and go as we're partnering in, in Laos with some church planners there. And we're, we're continuing to work around the world. We're going to the uttermost parts of the world. You might want to get involved in Montreal when we have a trip there in October. And the leaves are turning and it's pretty. Right? Okay? You might want to get involved in that as we get involved in church planning. If you're just interested, just just check it off. It's not committing you. We just know that you're saying, I'm interested in getting involved. You might write down something that God puts on your heart and that we can partner with you. How about storm response? How about some of these other ways that we can be hands and feet for Jesus? You're called to go. It gives you a sense of purpose to extend the kingdom of God. The last thing. Before we take communion today and we'll sing a song and then we'll be gone. I've been thinking about the fact that we are the body of Christ left to witness for the world. The body of Christ was broken for us. The blood of Christ was spilled. You are a new creation now because of that. Our memory verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Let's say it out loud together. You don't have to stand, but let's say it out out loud. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You know why you're a new creation? Because Jesus' body was broken. And his blood was spilled. And as you receive communion today, and it's for those of you who are Christians, as you receive it, I want you to reflect upon your labels that you've been given by the grace of God, by the brokenness of Christ, by the blood being spilled for you. When you take that bread... And you bite it. I want you to remember that the, that the body was broken for you. When you take that cup and you drink it, I want you to m- remember that you're a saint of God because the blood of Jesus has washed you, has made you white as snow now. Positionally. I want you to reflect upon that. I want to ask you just to bow your heads with me. I'm going to pray here in a moment. And when I pray... If you would like to receive communion today, there's stations in the front, there's a station in the back. An usher will let you know how you are to proceed, but we ask you to come in the middle, come down the middle, go back out the side, go back to your seat if you receive it when you are ready. 
And then you can take your cups out and you can throw them in the trash outside. But I want you to think about who you are in Christ. I want you to think about it. I want you to give thanks to God. You don't have to be a member of Eagle Tree Church to receive communion. But you do need to be a Christian. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your, the fact that you were, Lord, so motivated by love to come and to extend your grace to us. And now you've entrusted that extension of your grace into our care to take to others. So may we be obedient wherever we go, Lord, when we're at our jobs, when we're among our children, obedient to take the gospel to them, when we are in our neighborhoods, in, we're, in just our everyday lives, Lord. Some of these special projects, that's not our only time that we're to be going. We're to be going every day. So, Lord, may we be obedient. Thank you for your body that was broken, Jesus. Thank you for your blood that was spilled. With our heads bowed, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can trust him right now. Call on him to be your Lord and Savior. Say, dear Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I receive this gift of eternal life. Lord, I don't even understand it all, but I just sense you drawing me to yourself, and I receive you. Lord, come into my life. Make me a new person. Thank you, Lord. Father, as we receive communion today, we remember you in this holy cup. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you come forward, remember you can bring your offerings today and place them in the basket as well as in the back. You also can uh, take a card. If you want to hold on to the card and turn it in later, that's fine. But you can bring the card and place it in the basket. You can put it in the offering uh, boxes that are on the walls. You can hand it to one of us. It doesn't commit you. It just says, I'm open. I am open. Let's receive communion together.